0: Hi, everybody. This is the Funeral Science Podcast, a podcast about funeral science. I'm Ben, and I will be your funeral scientist for today. Okay, funeral scientists, on this episode we are going to talk about pH, an often overlooked aspect of embalming, as many chemical companies mix their fluids to address it without us even knowing. However, in the context of decomposition, pH is an important component of embalming case analysis, especially when a person has been dead for a while. Well, we're going to start with the burning question we all have about pH. Why is the p lowercase and the h uppercase? Well, it's a matter of grammar really. pH is an abbreviation of potential of hydrogen or power of hydrogen. Since potential or power is just a word, it can be lowercase. A capital letter H is the atomic symbol of hydrogen, which is always uppercase. Put the two together and you get a little p and big H to make pH. So what exactly is pH? You're probably somewhat familiar with the pH scale, which ranges from 0 to 14. At the lower end of the scale, you have acids, and at the upper end, you have bases, and right in the middle at 7 is neutral. However, what is this actually measuring? The answer is hydrogen ions. Just as a reminder, an ion is an atom or group of atoms with an electrical charge, either positive or negative. Hydrogen ions are generated when water molecules split apart. This leaves us with a hydrogen atom with a positive charge and a hydroxide ion with a negative charge. Hydroxide is a molecule molecule made up of oxygen and hydrogen. So one hydrogen atom and the oxygen and hydrogen in the hydroxide molecule added together equals H2O, which we know is water, of course. Acids contain a higher amount of hydrogen ions and bases contain a lower amount as compared to water. When acid is introduced into a water-based solution, it increases its hydrogen ion amount. When a base with a hydroxide ion is introduced, It lowers the amount of hydrogen ions by attracting the hydrogen ions with its hydroxide ions. Okay, well that was a lot to explain. So how does pH affect the chemistry in the dead body? After a person dies, the metabolism functions for a short period of time, breaking down carbohydrates. The products of the carbohydrates create an acidic pH. However, not long afterwards, the proteins in the body begin to break down and the nitrogen containing products begin to create a basic pH, which means that it enjoys pumpkin spice lattes, sunflower fields, and Ugg boots. What is important to understand is that pH varies throughout the body. It's not like the whole body gets together and says, okay, everybody, time to move to the basic pH. This means that we can have more acidic pH in some areas and more basic in others. And this can vary even more considering pathology and subsequent medical treatments. Bacteria's contribution to protein destruction and medical treatments that damage the kidneys can create more nitrogen-based waste in the body. Further, ailments such as diabetes, where people have trouble managing sugars, can create a more acidic pH in areas. For nature, this is not much of a problem. As we learned in the previous decomposition episode, there are organisms that thrive in this environment. However, as embalmers, this is an issue. Our embalming chemicals, specifically formaldehyde, function best in a pH similar to the living human body, which is somewhere between 7.3 to 7.5, so slightly basic. In order to deal with this issue, we add what are known as buffers. These are chemicals that resist a change in pH. If there are too many hydrogen ions, in an acidic environment, they will absorb some of them, and when there, there are not enough hydrogen ions, it will donate some of its hydrogen ions to bring the solution closer to neutral. For more information on pH shifts in a postmortem environment, you can find the book, Turning Art into Science, Applying Chemistry to Funeral Service, from Tuesday Evening Publications. I will provide a link to their website in the show notes. And now for this episode's listener question. How did you feel the first time you saw a body outside of the casket? So I have been told that you all like when I share personal information about myself. And then of course you also tell me that you like it when I go a little off script. So this is personal information. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. the first time I ever saw a body outside of the casket was when I was actually in mortuary school. Before I came to mortuary school, um, I had only been to a couple of funerals. Uh, so the first time I really saw a body outside of the casket was when I went to go get a job as a student at a funeral home. Of course, part of the uh, job interview slash tour of the funeral home included the prep room, which as somebody who had been learning about embalming for the previous few months, I was pretty jazzed about, right? Because I wanted to see uh, funeral directors in action um, and see the application of the embalming classes that um, I had taken. So when I entered the room, of course, uh, none of the people were in the caskets. They were all either Um, on the embalming table still or on dressing tables. For those of you who uh, aren't in funeral service, a dressing table is a uh, table that we simply put uh, people on while we are waiting to dress and cosmetize them. Uh, The prep room uh, that I would eventually work in uh, was a pretty good sized prep room, but it was a busy funeral home. So at this particular time, It was pretty crowded. I don't remember the exact number of bodies in there, but um, based on all the time that I spent in there, I could kind of remember that there was probably somewhere between five and eight bodies uh, because all the tables were taken up. So to me, I thought it was unusual at first to see that many bodies in one place, that many people, I should say, in one place that were so quiet. That has always been something that kind of um, makes me think whenever I am in a room with quite a few deceased people, how amazing it is that so many people could be together in one place and not make any noise. Because we as humans, of course, are just noisy by nature, me in particular. So that was the first thing that I noticed. I also noticed that, um, you know, in this particular case, the bodies had not yet been dressed or cosmetized. So you saw the humans as you would in their most um, natural form, uh, you know, similar to yourself or, you know, your people, you know, when they get out of the shower or whatever, and they haven't completely combed their hair or they haven't put any makeup on or you know, fix themselves up in other ways. So, um, to me, the prep room was very much a transitional phase. And that's truly what it is. It's that transitional phase between death and um, people's final parties. So, um, I guess that really doesn't necessarily answer the question of how I felt, but that is what I was thinking of. How I felt, I, I mean, I felt... Um, Of course, interested, you know, and inspired. Uh, Little did I know, eventually, um, 10 years later, I would go on to um, make this podcast, for example, and have such enthusiasm for embalming. So I guess that's what I was feeling, was interested and inspired the first time I ever saw bodies outside of the casket. and now for something good that's happening in this episode i would like to highlight trans death care trans death care provides end-of-life resources for the lgbtq community and features lgbtq people in death care industry if you or someone you know has questions about these issues you can follow their instagram page at trans which i will put in the show notes. Okay, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, do you have a question for me to answer? Send your questions to ben at com. That's B-E-N at M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R dot com with the subject line podcast question. Are you or someone you know doing something that promotes education, equality, or otherwise raises awareness about an issue in funeral service? Please send me information about it to ben at mortracker.com. That's B-E-N at M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R dot com with the subject line, a good thing is happening. And that ends with an exclamation mark. So be sure to include that. Otherwise, I'm not going to read it. Um, Finally, you can follow me at Mortracker, that's M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R on Instagram for more information on funeral science. So that's it, everybody. I'll see you later.